Holy Woj Bomb. Happy Monday, everyone. It is truly a new day in Charlotte for this Hornets franchise. We're going to get to the game. We are going to get to the game. But we got to talk about GM, general manager, Mitch Kupchak, is on his way out. Adrian Wojnarowski just dropped as we were recording this. We were coming to sit down to record, or I was. I'm I'm solo today. I was come, sitting down to record, talk about the game, and I get the noty. The noty hits. Mitch Kupchak will be moving to an advisor role moving forward. He is going to finish out the season. But the franchise is beginning in an immediate search for a new head of basketball operations, sources told ESPN on Monday morning. Mitch Kupchak is is out. Now, we knew this was happening. He was not going to be brought back next season, or at least you would hope so, right? I mean, after the trade deadline, there were some rumors people – or there weren't rumors. People were just saying – Man, it wouldn't surprise me if Mitch was – no, 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 no. Mitch was always on his way out before to begin now. Mid-February? Okay. Yeah, baby. We ain't messing around. I almost used a different word, but I'm I'm, I'm going to try to keep it non-explicit this morning if I can. Hi, Poops. I'm your host, Joshua Balta. Here we go. Okay. In the article – from ESPN, general manager Mitch Kupchak is moving to his advisor role. Check this out. And I quote, the Hornet search is expected to focus on several sitting general managers, including Elton Brand, Trajan Langdon, Mike Gansey, Trent Redden. All right. And those guys come from various different. So Phil, uh, Elton Brand's in Philly. Uh, Langdon's in uh, New Orleans, Gansey's in Cleveland, and Redden is uh, with the Clippers, okay? And then there are several assistant GMs that will be in the search as well that include, where's my guy? Jeff Peterson, who's in Brooklyn. Uh, Travis Schlink, which is in Washington. Uh, uh, Wes Wilcox, who's in Sacramento. Okay. And so these guys have all worked with Schnall when he was a minority owner within the Hawks organization, those assistant GMs. But to, ha- but to be interviewing several of these sitting general managers at winning programs in Philly with Elton Brand, I don't know if that's going to come to anything, okay? Trajan Langdon, who's built something there in New Orleans. Uh, Mike Gansey in Cleveland, who has built a solid roster and a yearly playoff appearance out of that Cleveland Cavaliers team. I mean, guys, (laughs) it is truly a new day in Charlotte. And so at the trade deadline, these trades were being made and you had people looking at them and and 
saying this doesn't this doesn't look like Mitch. Like th- these aren't Mitch Kupchak type moves. And I mean at this point you can't deny it. Okay. You can't deny that it hasn't worked. Man, my, I just got a new puppy. He's going crazy. Back to this. You can't deny that it hasn't worked. I mean, we're 11 and 41, mid-February. You've basically just thrown all of your eggs into the draft basket. That's pretty much all you've done. Said, oh, we, you know, free agency, nah, that's really not an avenue. Ah, trade's really not an avenue. But then you see in one game, you can see the difference that trades make. And you didn't even have to give up any picks. You didn't even have to, like, relinquish any of your draft capital. You didn't have to do anything to make this roster better because this was one of the worst rosters from top to bottom in the league. You had no bench. You had nothing. I mean, how many times did you see post game looking at the box score and you look at the bench players outside of maybe P.J. Washington because he continued to come off the bench, but outside of P.J., you were getting zero production or next to it. You you might have a little game from Bryce McGowan's. Leaky Black showed some promise in some good minutes. Nick Smith Jr. did too, right, for some rookies, right, for our young rookies to show a couple things. I mean, you're, you're happy with that. You weren't expecting that. But overall, you were getting nothing from the guys seven – through 10 on this team. And that's just, you can't be a serious NBA basketball team when you have no bench. And like Woj said last week, dropping jokes on him. I don't know if they're going to be in the league next year. And he's right. He's right. They're not, some of them aren't going to be in the league starting last Thursday when James Booknight got cut. He's not getting picked up by anybody. If he does, I'll be shocked. I'll be shocked. They'll just be going off of straight raw talent. Maybe we can bring this kid in. He's talented. Maybe we can just kind of fix the mentals and the confidence and get this kid back to where our projection showed him back in the 2021 draft. But what it comes down to, I say all that to say this. Those trades that we were looking at, were not of Mitch Kupchak. Those were of the new ownership group. And Mitch Kupchak, I mean, there are sources coming out that said that this was more of the ownership pushing these moves, that they were, you know, in the building and that they were really facilitating these deals and saying, nah, this is what we're going to do. Now get on the phone call, use your, use your, you know, influence, use your relationships to get a deal done, right? And then even Mitch in his post-trade deadline availability when he was chilling up in the hotel room in Barcelona, he mentioned how new ownership was in the building daily and in the in the room and how much energy and passion that they brought to the process and something that he hasn't really experienced before and how knowledgeable they were. This was new ownership. Those moves at the trade deadline was new ownership. Okay? 
And then now this is new ownership yet again saying it's a new day in Charlotte. They're going to keep Mitch on for it for an advisory role. I think I said this on the last episode, uh, episode, episode with, uh, with Darian Thomas. Mitch Kupchak's going to move to that advisory role because he does have some stuff that he can offer. Those those second-round draft picks, okay, he's hit on some guys that were able to bring back assets to Charlotte, okay? He's been able to find some gems in, those, in, in, in that second round, okay? And he does bring experience, and he brings a different mindset and, and, and perspective, I'll say. But we need somebody new. We need someone fresh. And that's what new ownership is doing. And what ultimately doomed Mitch Kupchak, as we talk about, like, what, you know, we'll, we'll have a further episode that talks about Mitch Kupchak's, you know, tenure here in Charlotte and all of those. But just quickly, just to hit on it, what doomed Mitch is that he did not adapt to the times. Um, <laughs> he was hard-headed. I mean, it, it. just call it what it is. He was hard-headed. He only utilized the draft to build this team. Like, really? I mean, yeah, he made some small trades, but truly, he only utilized the draft to build this team and made one big signing of Gordon Hayward. He did bring in Terry Rozier, who really filled that gap uh, once Kemba left. But he stuck with it for way too long. He never made that move to get a, a, a vet center in in the year that, you know, in LaMelo's rookie year, his second year. He wouldn't make that just – I mean, it's not even have to be a big move, just a move, right? It, it would have been pretty easy to upgrade. And to get some more power, some pack some more punch, right? And that, that's really what doomed his time here is he was hard-headed, and he really wanted to stick with his plans. And he became a little enamored with, you know, being the fourth, fifth seed, like 25, 30 games into the season, when healthy, when you built a roster that just could not stay healthy. You built a roster with way too many draft picks and way too many young guys who weren't developing and weren't becoming solid rotational players in the NBA. And that's what doomed Mitch Kupchak's time in Charlotte. Uh, but man, I'm excited. Those are some good names. I mean, Elton Brand has really done wonders. Uh, what what could pull him away from Philly? I don't I don't know his contract details. Um, I don't know if he's on a long term deal there. Um, I just I don't know all of those minutia, but. Those are some good names. And so that's going to be something to look for moving forward. Um, I would expect Steve Clifford will be announced uh, shortly as well. I would say probably this about this time next month, mid-March, I wouldn't be surprised if it's announced that Clifford's on his way out and the Charlotte Hornets have begun that process. Um 
Budenholzer was, <laughs> hey, I'm just going to throw this out, out there. Under Schnall, as a minority owner, Budenholzer was the coach of the Atlanta Hawks. Now, he did end up leaving, going to the Bucks, right? And so I don't know if that's a good relationship. I don't know how much of a relationship is there. Uh, you know, minority ownership dealing with the front office sounds that's more of a comparable relationship, right? They're going to see each other more often. They're going to be in the same spaces a little bit more often um, to where, you know, your front office is going to be dealing with your coaches. That's kind of the hierarchy, generally speaking. Uh, so I don't know if what kind of relationship they have, but guys, that's an, Mike Budenholzer. He's available. You get LaMelo, you get Brandon Miller, you get a Mark Williams. You're, pro you're getting a top five, top six draft pick, more than likely. Um, and then you have some some bench pieces all of a sudden that we're about to get to. I don't know. Maybe the job's starting to look a little sexier than it did, I don't know, four or five days ago. That's all I'm going to say. Moving on to the game. Man. You want to talk about a breath of fresh air these last four or five days. This started with the trade deadline, and <laughs> I did not love the Terry Rozier trade. I didn't. So, like, when I look back at the entire trade deadline, I would give the Charlotte Hornets a B. They got an A++++ for the Gordon Hayward deal. They got an A++++ for the P.J. Washington deal. I did not love the Terry Rozier uh, trade. Because I feel like Terry served and did things on this team that this team needed desperately and that he was the least of the Hornets' problems. And so to move Terry, I felt like you were taking a lot of things away from the team, such as your only ounce of vet leadership, which now the Hornets went out and got some. But still, I mean, you can never have too much leadership. Um, well... You can. I'll take that back. You can. But I don't think it would have been that kind of situation with Terry. You take away his shooting, his one-on-one -on -one capabilities, and even, like, yeah, Terry wasn't a great defensively, but at the same time, he wasn't horrendous. He just wasn't. So I, I thought that he still gave uh, this Charlotte Hornets team real – attributes in the here and now but that's it's it's coming on it is what it is so i'd give the charlotte hornets a b overall but man what we saw saturday night from this new and improved charlotte hornets roster we had an actual like nba rotation on the floor all night long. Like real, actual NBA caliber basketball players, one through nine. It was incredible. And just what it showed is that what we've been saying all along about you can't just build through the draft. You're going to constantly be waiting. You're going to constantly be waiting. 
Bryce McGowan's may turn into a player. Okay. JT Thor one day may be able to hit a three and be able to put the ball on the floor for more than one or two dribbles and actually be able to protect the basketball. One day, these things may happen. All right. Nick Smith Jr., I think that he actually will. I think that he's actually going to become an NBA rotation player. But it takes time. It takes time. We saw that James Booknight is not. We saw that Kai Jones is not. We see that Jalen McDaniels is not. He cannot get a single minute any night up in Toronto on a pretty bad basketball team. If Jalen McDaniels was with the Hornets, he would have been playing 30-plus minutes a night this season. Guaranteed. Without a doubt. And so you were just constantly going to be waiting for this team to develop, for this team, for, for these young draft picks. And then that's just another year. You're kicking the, the can down the road. And another year. And another year until hopefully, finally, one of these guys pops. And yeah, you've popped with LaMelo. You've popped with Brandon Miller. You think you've popped with Mark. He hasn't played enough to really be able to show you much, honestly. We're going to be heading into year three of Mark Williams. He's going to be like on year 0.85 of his career because of how much he has not played in actual NBA games. And so... You think, but but like you see, you see the vision there. But what this showed, we're not crazy. Like you can build through trades, you can build through free agency, where the Charlotte Hornets will have up to forty million in cap space this upcoming summer. Which means the Charlotte Hornets are going to be buyers in free agency. Which means that the Charlotte Hornets could do a couple more trades this summer. Or just one. And we ain't got to do a couple more. Okay? No reason to get too crazy with the new GM. New head coach. But we're not crazy. We did know that this was a bad roster. We did know that those young guys just could not do it. They could not move the basketball. They could not score the basketball. They could not defend the basketball. They could not run back on defense to get in between their man and the goal basketball. Okay? They couldn't do most NBA basketball things. It is what it is. But where the roster sits now and where it sat four days ago, this is an immensely better basketball team. And, yes, the Charlotte Hornets played an oft-injured shell of themselves Memphis Grizzlies team. They did. But the Charlotte Hornets controlled that game from start to finish. Eh, about uh, – mid-second quarter to finish, okay? Took them a minute, right? You just pieced together a team, slapped it together. Boom. 
You had five new players, five of your nine players. That was their first day in the building. You threw it all together and you saw what happened. It's a new day, guys. Now let's talk about this because you have Trey Mann with the start. Oh my goodness. Nine assists. Nine assists. I didn't, I mean, look, when these trades were made, I said on the last episode, before we saw them play basketball in Charlotte, all right, seen spurts here and there with these guys playing on, you know, other teams. Grant Williams was the guy I was most intrigued about because I, he brings a physicality, a leadership uh, mentality, uh, just kind of he's a grown-up. Um, he's a guy that can organize your team defensively. He's a guy you can go small ball five with because he's just so dang girthy. He's got that leverage. And, like, he did a phenomenal job on uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. Uh, Nick Richards did not. But when Grant Williams came in and we went small ball five with him, I mean, it was just a completely different basketball game, which is another thing. Another thing to kind of – I mean, I'm not trying to throw too much shade at Mitch Kupchak. Um, but I, I, I'm not sure how much credit we can truly give him for the trades that happened. I mean, he got them done. So, I mean, he deserves some credit. But does this ever happen without new ownership? No. I think I think at this point we can confidently say that this does not happen without new ownership. It doesn't. And so I'll give Mitch a little bit of credit, but I'm not going to give him much. Like another thing that has been frustrating to me, and I've said this on prior episodes, you go from Mark Williams to Nick Richards, you're not throwing anything different at opposing teams. They can essentially set up the exact same way the entire game. They never have to worry about a big stretching the floor, being able to shoot from outside. They never have to, you know, game plan anything different. It's vanilla. It's the same for 48 minutes. Every once in a while, you throw P.J. in there, yeah, it gets a little bit different. But then P.J., big centers would just feast. He he would do a commendable job on many NBA centers. But the top half, he couldn't hang. <laughs> Excuse me. But with Grant Williams, he does bring that sense of physicality. And he is going to have that piece to his game. And so I was most excited about him. Right behind him, number two, it was Vasilier Misic. And man, if that guy didn't come in and straight hoop on Saturday night for our Charlotte Hornets. 18 points, career high. Nine assists, career high. I mean, this guy was running the offense Dimes, no look passes, over over the head and shoulder, dunk downs. I mean, hitting step back, going between the leg, between the leg, step back. Yeah. I mean, Misich, this is the backup point guard. And this is why I was excited about him. 
the big game experience that was added right there in the moment. He's an older guy. Yes, he's a rookie in the NBA, but he's not a rookie. He's been playing in one of the best basketball leagues in the world for years. He's been the EuroLeague MVP, won championships galore. Like, this guy is a smart, high basketball IQ, game manager, the the good connotation that Cam Newton's been trying to tell everybody. It's not a bad thing. He's not a superstar. We're not saying that, it, you know, Misich is going to, you know, get any all-star looks next season. We're not saying that. But this is the backup point guard quality that the Charlotte Hornets have been missing. And these are the types of guys who you can tread water with if your star, all-star, all-NBA caliber point guard in LaMelo Ball misses some time due to injuries, which we've seen he will do. This is a guy that you can plug and play and know you are going to get solid play from this guy. It's been one game. So, look, I'm not trying to just, like, overreact to one game. I'm really not, okay? It's the style. It's the style that hits. Was it against a bad Memphis team? Yes. But watch. The style of basketball. Are the Charlotte Hornets just going to win a bunch of games from here to the end of the season? I don't – I'm not counting on it. I'm just not. But what is going to happen, you're going to see just better basketball being played. I don't I don't really foresee too many more games where you're losing by 40 in the fourth quarter and getting sham-godded by freaking Thanasis Antetokounmpo. Not Giannis. I'm not saying Giannis. I said Thanasis. You're not going to be seeing that. Okay. That's, that's not going to happen. The multiple games where you're down by 25 the entire second half, I don't foresee that happening too often. Will it at some point? Yeah, probably. There's a good chance that that will still happen, I don't know, maybe once, twice the rest of the season. But you have an actual NBA roster now. Trey Mann came in. He started nine points, nine assists. I mean – the way that he was maneuvering within the uh, within the offense and on the offensive side of the ball, not within the offense because they didn't implement any real offense, right? But just playing basketball and being smart and seeing what's there and taking what the defense is giving you and just moving the ball and just the ball was popping. 32 assists on like 47 made shots, something like that. I don't have it right here in front of me. But, I mean, just incredible. Grant Williams, 15 points. Eight rebounds. I don't remember the last time P.J. Washington had eight rebounds. I'm not trying to hate on P.J. I liked P.J. I wanted P.J. in Charlotte this past summer. I thought it was crazy that the Charlotte Hornets were just going to let him walk or weren't going to give him right there in that realm that he deserved 15, 16, 17, 18 mil. All right? But to turn that into Grant Williams, I would have been fine with Grant Williams. If we let P.J. walk, but we got Grant Williams, I was fine. Now we get Grant Williams, and we got a first-round pick with it. And we get to hear what Dell has to say watching his kid wear the same jersey that he wore 
nearly 20 years ago. And so, I mean, just incredible stuff. Uh, you even have Bertans come in. I mean, just the elevation. You had JT Thor prior taking threes in the corner. Now you have Bertans for 12 minutes a game. Uh, you know, wow, I guessed, and that's exactly how many minutes he played. Sitting in the corner draining those threes. I mean, it's just, just completely different. You had Bryce McGowan's out there looking completely lost. Now you have Seth Curry hitting a huge three in the fourth quarter to really ice the game and really put it out of the out of reach. Memphis had cut it to like I think it was seven, six or seven, and they were kind of making a run. And then Seth just says, "Nah, man, I'm gonna pull up right here. I've been in the playoffs. I've played on good teams." I've hit big threes. I'm going to do it again and really put the game out of reach. I mean, you got production up and down the roster from these guys. And not to forget, Brandon Miller, Miles Bridges had it great games. Um, just guys, I, we weren't crazy. We weren't crazy. We saw what we saw. We knew this wasn't a real NBA team. We knew that you could build via trades. We did it in one day. We literally rebuilt an entire team in one day. In one day. You can build through trades. You can build through free agency. <clears throat> which we'll see this summer. We weren't crazy. And it's a new day. And we need to rejoice about that. We need to be happy about that. And we are. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm looking at it. There is a breath of fresh air in the building. I've been, myself, others have just kind of been, we, we've seen a lot of these posts and the social media has been catching, you know, uh, strays when it's not them. It's their higher ups telling them what to do. Right. They're just doing what they're what they're told. But all about reimagining the Spectrum Center and all these upgrades and, you know, season ticket uh, prices, uh, you know. All the hikes on those that that we've heard from from various season ticket holders, different things like that. They've been catching some flack. But they're backing it up with these moves at the player level, in the front office level, soon the head coach. I mean, they really are changing the franchise from top to bottom. They are. I mean, they're even painting the walls. They're painting the walls. Like, you literally had people, I want everything about this franchise thrown in the trash, throw it all away, and rebuild it from scratch. I want new ushers. I want new uh, concession workers. I want new ball boys and towel boys and water boys. I want new everything. You had fans saying all of that. I mean, that's what 20 consecutive years of losing, for the most part, will do for you. When you haven't won a playoff series in over two decades, that will happen. That will do that to you, to where you're like, get the ball boys out. Paint the walls. 
New ownership is literally doing it. It is a breath of fresh air. It is a new day in Charlotte. Be excited, Hornets fans. I'm excited. I feel like I've been on this podcast for too long, and I've been trying. I've been coming in, and I'm just like, this isn't it. Like this, recapping bad games, recapping bad weeks, recapping bad uh, draft night trade, recapping doing nothing in the offseason and just begging and pleading and hey do something man do the, you, you have to like you this roster can't stay the way it is we have to have new additions we have to have better depth we have to have role players with actual roles we need bets in the building and one day we bring bets in the building we bring physicality into the building we bring in high basketball IQ we controlled a game for 30 of the 48 minutes. New GM. Guys rejoice. Rejoice. I was I was skeptical of new ownership when they came in. They didn't have as much money as Jordan. All right. That's why there's two of them. That's why they have a large minority stake ownership with various people. You know, J. Cole is in there. Uh, who's the country sing? Some some country singer. I don't listen to country music. But some country's music guy is in there. Um, but that's why they have such a large ownership group, right? But for them, as the majority owners, I was weary. This felt like just another way, means to make some money for them. There's not a lot of expectations. I mean, they just have to be minimally better than the last guy. And people will be like, yeah, well, I mean, it's better than Jordan. Like, they didn't really have any bars to clear. It was so low. But now they're really making moves and they're doing things. I mean, when you look at the like those trades that were made, these aren't throwaway players. Trey Mann will be rostered next year. Okay. Misich. Will be rostered next year. He still has two years left on his deal. Trey Mann's still on his rookie contract. Okay. Grant Williams still has three years left on his deal after this season. He will be rostered next year. Those are three rotation players. All right. Bertans, I don't know if he'll be here. Seth Curry, I wouldn't bet on it. Just have fun with it over the next, what, two months. Enjoy it. You know, share the clips when Dell's gushing about watching his son play in the in the same city that he played, the city that he grew up, wearing the same, literally the pinstripe jersey, all of the things, right? Just enjoy that. I don't, I don't know if that's going to extend past this season because he is a free agent this summer. Um, but these are moves to like build the roster out, and then forty million cap space this upcoming summer. Bird rights on Miles Bridges to where if you do bring him back, you can go over the cap. You can sign a free agent prior to doing the deal with Miles Bridges. So I'm talking like day one of free agency. The Charlotte Hornets literally may make an addition so that they can also sign Miles Bridges, go over the cap, utilize his bird rights to do so. And then now, you get two players basically for the price of one. If you want to look at it that way. Guys, be effing excited. This is incredible. My wife is so, like, 
she's so sick of me talking. Like I've been oozing and goozing and gushing about the Charlotte Hornets. I've been giddy. I've been sending out um, all kinds of text messages to my buddies. And I mean, it's just this, this is the most hope we've had in a while. Sit in it, bask in it, enjoy it. It's a new day. We're about to get a quality GM in here. We're about to get a quality coach. We're going to have cap space. And now this roster, this roster that people thought at the beginning of the season, if things went, if things went right, if they stayed healthy, there were people on here saying this team could win 35, 40 games. That's with Terry Rozier, Gordon Hayward, PJ Washington, LaMelo, Brandon Miller, Mark Williams, Nick Richards, Cody Martin as your top eight rotation of uh, Miles Bridges, right? Those being your top nine guys, essentially. If that's your rotation, you could probably win for 35, 40 games. Okay. Well, now Brandon Miller's much better than we even anticipated at the beginning, like this quickly. I'm not saying that there weren't people out there that were believers in Brandon Miller. I'm just saying, I'm not sure anybody expected what he's been doing as of late and his mid-range game and all of the different asset, uh, you know, attributes that he's bringing to the game. Like, for real, for real, okay? Like, we got a stud. We got a freaking stud. But now you have Grant Williams in there. You have a legit backup point guard. You have another guard in Trey Mann, which his on-ball defense, oh, my gosh. Like, it was pretty good. Like, it was, like it was pretty good. Misich, I will say, he did get uh, – on, on defense, there was a couple times where he didn't pick up the guy that was running down the floor. Like, if there was a turnover, he's at the top of the key. He's the first one back, right? There were a couple times a big would run. Um and he didn't pick him up. Um, there are a few times that did happen, so I, I would like to see a little bit more attention defensively, especially transition defense of just, hey, not, I mean, who's stopping ball fine? I'm not saying that. But look for those runners. So I, I, I did see him get lost a couple times there. So, I mean, there's areas where these guys can get better, obviously. They're not, you know. Not trying to be too hyperbolic here. But, guys, this is exciting times. It really is. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hive Hoops. Hopefully this positivity just keeps rolling. And just in case no one uh, knows, the Hornets are only 12 games back of the 10 seed. <laughs> With about 28 games to go. I think we got 28 games. How many games we got left? Uh, 41. And 11, that would make 52. We got 30 games exactly left, okay? Can we can we hawk down the Hawks? I, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Enjoy it. Have fun. We're going to be back on with you uh, until next time. Adios.